Today's episode is sponsored by an all-natural cosmetics and home goods company called Naked Peets. Naked Peets was built on the idea that even when you're inside, you can still feel like you're outside. From candles and cabin fresheners to beard oil, they offer products made from environmentally friendly ingredients and scents that are crafted straight from nature. If you want to invite the outdoors in and also support an awesome small brand, keep listening for a 20% off coupon code exclusive to Switchbacks listeners. And now, on to the show. Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you are planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're talking about some fantastic national park getaways from even the biggest cities. Speaking of getting away from the big city. Okay. Do you know where I'm going with this? No. I have no idea. <laughs> Not that St. Louis is the most b- booming of metropolises. Mm. But yes. we we had a really good getaway weekend. We just, did. That we just got back from yesterday. We went down to southeastern Missouri and went around the uh, kind of Ozark area. We actually... We were planning to go visit a bunch of Missouri State Parks, but we ended up in a national park unit. What do you know? We ended up in the Ozark Scenic National Scenic Riverway, um, and that turned out... We went to the state parks too, but that was a big part of our weekend because we camped there. Um, It's a... The Ozark National Scenic Riverway, like most riverways, is kind of a elongated... Uh, irregular park so we were in one specific area along the river it was called round spring and there was this incredible so we camped there but we also the next day went to this incredible cave and it It was one of the coolest caves i've been in yeah and for only five bucks for a tour it was crazy good value yeah it had crazy stalactites and stalagmites and flow stones and it was just like dripping wet so it was a really wet cave, um, very alive cave, and just beautiful formations everywhere, so many. Yeah, no lights, so you were using your lantern, and it was a natural path, so that really adds to my experience of the cave. Um, it was a fairly small group, I guess medium-sized, like 13 people, and anyway, I, I really appreciate just discovering new things that we don't expect when we start the weekend right and it was cool to hang out with park rangers again we got to go to a a pro an evening program again it was all about salamanders which was interesting um there are what 42 14 14 types of salamanders located in just this little national park unit 14 Mm -hmm. different types of salamanders so that was uh pretty cool to hear all about those little guys and i think there are 260 uh or 191 or something 
salamanders in the u.s no it's between 191 and 260 you didn't pay attention you don't get to have any no i tried anyway it was a cool weekend we did some biking we did some hiking we tried to do some well we were going to do some kayaking but the it didn't really work out the river was or the little stream was too low and um it would have cost a lot for a shuttle to do like an actual float so we skipped it. We're gonna go back sometime soon. Yeah. Okay. I thought this was outrageous. So I want to not that outrageous. I want to shame this. Don't get excited. Cars canoe rental company, the bane of our float trip. I don't think so. I think you overreacted big time. Well, so I didn't make a scene or anything. If that's what you're implying, I just am kind of surprised and incensed in a sense that the. Um, so the cost of shuttling you, you know, it just basically getting on the bus and riding with all those people that are actually renting a canoe, the cost to just let you hop on the bus and drive down to the drop-off point to get in the river, um, because we don't have two cars and couldn't do our own shuttle, that shuttle cost alone would be $40. Even though we have our inflatable kayak and everything, um, yeah, I thought that was a little outrageous. It was a little much. But I think that they were saying that we couldn't get on the bus with everybody else, and that's why it was more expensive. They were going to have to drive our car somewhere. Well, if we couldn't, that is also outrageous. Okay, well, outrageous, out. let's move on shall we okay okay so we're talking about speaking of these big city getaways and speaking of you really don't have to hold your hand there (laughs) i'm afraid you're gonna cheat i think you're going to you you keep eyeing over here you're gonna see one of them okay i'm fine (laughs) get over yourself i'm not looking even (laughs) at the screen you did okay calm down so speaking of you and your precious precious quiz Speaking of getting away from the big city or slightly smaller big city, we have seen this map several times before, and we've shared it, I think, on our website, but I wanted to talk about it again because I feel like it's very relevant during this podcast. So there is a really cool infographic um, that shows which national park is closest to any area in the U.S. So it kind of divides it by the closest national park into onto all of these little sections of the U.S. And I'll link it in the show notes. Um, so if you go to switchbackkids.com slash podcast, you can find all the show notes and see what I'm talking about here. But basically, Cole, their quiz today, I'm going to give you the city, and you just have to tell me which national park is closest, according to this infographic. Okay. Got it. All right. Easy, easy, smeezy. Peasy. Easy. So this is our quiz section. What's the name of our quiz section? Parks in the news. It doesn't okay. make any sense here. That's why I didn't really say <laughs> it much. Like I didn't like flaunt, make a big show of the title. Okay. This is Parks in the News Quiz Edition. Parks in the News is too sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Let's start with an easy one because I know you know this one. But Cole, what's the closest? National Park to St. Louis. It is Mammoth Cave National Park. Correct. That's your that's your freebie. Are you warmed up now? I'm warm. I'm hot. Ew. I'm s- piping hot. 
I was okay. going to say steamy, but that's okay. kind of strange. We're going to keep going. Or we're losing people. <laughs> All right, San Francisco. San Francisco is Pinnacles. Yes. Good job. Nice. Okay. Uh, Houston. Oh. Houston. So it's in between Big Bend, which is a whole gigantic state away, and Hot Springs. Uh, I'm going to go with Hot Springs. Good job. Yeah. You're on a roll. Philadelphia. Ooh, Philadelphia. Really, the only thing... So it's in between Shenandoah and Acadia, but Acadia's way stinking up there. So I got to say, well, there's also Cuyahoga that's fairly close. I'm still going to say Shenandoah. Good job. You're knocking it out of the park here. I'm rolling. I'm rolling. Okay, Tampa. Uh... Tampa, that's pretty easy because Ever, uh, Everglades. Yes, good job. Yeah. All right, these are too easy. Portland. Portland. So, I I mean, it's in between, again, Crater Lake to the south and Olympic to the north. Uh, but, well, Mount Rainier is probably closer. Um, but I gotta say Crater Lake. Uh, oh. Finally, I got you. It's Mount Rainier. <laughs> Dang. And the last one. We just went here. Milwaukee. Okay. Well, up in Wisconsin, it's close to Minnesota Voyagers. Also close to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It's Santa Claus hat. Uh, Isle Royale. Santa Claus hat. Yeah, the Upper Peninsula is like a Santa Claus hat on the jolly old face of um, Wisconsin. Is that a thing? Yeah. I've never heard of that before. I don't think it's a thing. Yeah, it's... um. Okay, I believe I'm... you. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> what is your guess? You have three seconds. Um, Just kidding. Okay, but it's also got Ohio next to it. Well, I mean, fairly close with Cuyahoga Valley, but... I gotta say Isle Royal. Er No Cuyahoga Valley, you were almost there. You almost had it. Ah, How does it feel? Five out of seven. Fooled again. Failed. <laughs> does it take a hundred percent to actually pass? Yeah, it does actually. <laughs> okay. Well, our children are gonna have very um, They'll be fine. High standards <laughs> to live up to. They will be fine. To get your um a stamp of approval they'll know my pain okay can't <laughs> can't wait for that let's go ahead and start with today's topic um as you know if you read the title or the description of this podcast we're talking all about big city getaways so just like we kind of went through how to formulate your escape plan from <laughs> these urban areas of the country um, we're going to deep dive into two national parks that we we felt like were especially great getaways from the city. And we really felt it because we spent just a couple days in these cities and already felt so much better once we got out of them. <laughs> so we can't imagine living in, I mean, we can because we do live in a city and it feels amazing. Like we talked about, it feels so good to get out of the city for the weekend. 
So the first park we're talking about, of course, the, the city we're talking about is Seattle. The park we're talking about is North Cascades. Yeah, so North Cascades is less than three hours from Seattle, but it has some competition. Yeah, so there are three national parks that are just about three hours or so from Seattle. So we've got North Cascades to the northeast, we've got Olympic to the southwest, and we've got Mount Rainier to the south, straight south, just about slightly southeast of of the city. Um, That's called south southeast. Or south by east south, right? <laughs> She's making the nerd symbol. She always pushes up her glasses when I'm being too smart. No, I wouldn't call that smart. Yeah, I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> okay, south southeast, I think. Okay, whatever. Everyone understands based on the description that I gave. <laughs> Everyone so, thinks that you're mean. North by Cas- the description. That you gave. <laughs> so these two national parks that are in competition are huge crown jewels of the NPS system. Olympic National Park is number seven in the visitation rankings. It actually has. I pulled up the stats because I'm not a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> It has three point four million visitors in 2016, and Mount Rainier uh, was 18th, which is actually a lot lower than I thought it would be ranked, mm-hmm. uh, with 1.35 um, million visitors. And Cole, let's play this guessing game for our listeners. Where's North Cascades on the list? Everyone, try to guess. Okay, time time's up. It's, <laughs> North Cascades is number fifty-five of fifty-nine, with twenty-eight thousand. Where did I, I lost it? Twenty-eight thousand so six hundred and forty-six <laughs> visitors in a year. That's so low. That's so low, guys. So I'm sure that if you're in Seattle and you're like. I know about North Cascades, obviously, like I hike or I cross country ski or I um, just enjoy being in the mountains. I'm sure you are aware of it. Try to keep it a secret. Keep it on the down low because that's probably this. I mean, it is. It's North Cascades is this amazing hidden gem that's incredible mountains, incredible lakes and views. And it's actually the largest concentration of glaciers. Do you remember learning this? It's mm-hmm. the largest concentration of yeah. glaciers in the lower 48. So it's this really crazy, amazing, like kind of like a mini glacier national park um, that nobody goes to. It's crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's anything mini about it either. It's pretty awe-inspiring. Right. I mean, it's, it ranks up there with any of your Rocky Mountain national parks, in my opinion. But Now, you do have to hike sometimes. Like some of the views... Yeah. It's probably more of a hiking park. It's probably heavier on the trails than it is on the roads. Um, so in that sense, I know like Glacier has all of these amazing drivable areas. So it might be slightly less accessible for um, people who aren't interested in hiking. But if you or, are, are at all interested in hiking, it's an incredible, just blew our minds. It just blew, it, it was, it was so crazy. 
We went there in a May. April. Late April. End of April. And it was still actually very snowy. We went there actually the first day that the uh, road had opened up to go through the yeah. mountains. The... Um, it had been closed all winter, and it was this highway that go, go just goes all the way through the park. Um, so that was really lucky on our part. But you know, for most of the um, year, half the year, it's closed down, and you can just go in and out. But the interesting thing about North Cascades, I thought, you know, the first, the immediately first thing I noticed was that it is made up of three different national recreation areas. So it has all of these uh, mountains around it, which you can't miss, but you also can't miss these huge lakes that form the cornerstones of the park. And these lakes, like it or not, aren't natural. They're dammed lakes. uh, And that's why you get the natural recreation area where you can use motorized boats and stuff um, on these damned lakes. So, I don't know, it was just really interesting to see how um, there were these pockets of development all around the lake. Like, this, the dams supply power to Seattle, and there's a bunch of infrastructure there for the power, and a bunch of housing and uh, little developments villages there for the people who work on the power plant and it's all kind of interspersed through the um, park so if you're driving along it's kind of interesting to be not completely immersed in the and lost in the wilderness Mm -hmm. you're definitely seeing some development uh, until you really get farther farther away, uh, deeper down the highway. Is, and it is still protected development. So it's it's kind of what you would see in other recreation areas. So it's not like crazy overrun. But you'll see um, you'll see a lot of buildings and boats and things like that that you might not see in Glacier National Park, for yeah. example. And don't get me wrong, you definitely feel like you are getting in the wilderness away from the city Uh, we did a ton of hikes even though it was really snowy in a lot of the higher mountain areas Uh, we were able to go to a really accessible point called thunder knob and Mm -hmm. that gave us some really amazing panoramic views because it was this mountain that's kind of in the middle of a bowl of gigantic mountains so it's it's kind of in the middle of that depression and next to a lake and stuff um so that was a great hike we hiked up to fourth of july pass is that right yeah fourth of july camp and pass i think i think it was called fourth of july pass and that might have been the highest we could go right just about so the after talking to some of the rangers and then just doing our own little research during april a lot of things are still under snow. So 4th of July Pass was a good, you know, not tear. It was pretty steep. Um, I can't remember how much elevation we gained, but it was a really good spring hike. Do- very doable in the spring. Yeah. And it was, um, 
I don't know, we did a bunch of other research too, just seeing all the stuff that we were missing and just the types of backpacking loops you could do seemed incredible. The high mountain passes you could go through, the backcountry camps. There's This place is just an infinite system of trails. Right. It's incredible. If you look at the map, which you should go do and look at the NPS website and the map, and just start dreaming about all the backpacking you're going to do, and you're not going to see anybody. My sister actually, so she lives in Seattle. She just she last summer I think she hiked Sourdough Mountain, which is in the park, and she said she, the only uh, she saw like one person and one bear all day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely an uncrowded park, just all around. And I'm sure that was on the weekend, guys. That was like. It's 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 crazy. That's peak season. Because peak season in a park like this is pretty small, so they tend to be more crowded, like Glacier and Yosemite especially, and um, Yellowstone and all the other mountain parks. Sure. <laughs> um, but this one is, is a really rare gem. Other random cool things were it was the home of Jack Kerouac for a while. He went up to a fire lookout and just wrote, you know, kind of chilled out there and kind of, I don't know, did fire lookout duties from the fire tower uh, on the top of this huge mountain, but also just wrote his books and did what he did. Um, There's also, I remember a backpacker article specifically that had the best quote throne rooms in the u.s uh, meaning places to take a dump and the um (laughs) north cascades had a spot there and it was just a random like vault toilet without any type of enclosure around it and it had a crazy view right yeah just a, a seat basically uh, so you're a little exposed, but the view <laughs> would probably Anyways. make up for it. Yeah. So take note. If you have not been to North Cascades, get out there. Don't tell too many people so it doesn't get too popular. Um, but yes, so a slightly more popular national park and definitely a more populated urban area that we're going to be talking about is Channel Islands. But first, we wanted to quickly pause and thank today's sponsor, Naked Pete's. And since we're on the topic of getting away from the busyness of the city, what better way to bring a taste, or really a smell, indoors than with essential oils derived straight from nature? Naked Pete's products are made with natural ingredients like beeswax, shea butter, and coconut oil, and scented with wild-crafted essential oils which are harvested from naturally grown plants, flowers, and trees. The really cool thing about this method of wild crafting is that no two batches of their essential oils are quite the same. Naked Pete's has been gracious enough to offer Switchbacks listeners 20% off of your order. Just use the code SBK at checkout. Again, that's code SBK for 20% off candles, lip balm, beard oil, and more. Check out all their products at nakedpeats.com. So Channel Islands, because I'm the big nerd of the two of us, is number 43 in the rankings for visitation with 
365,000 visitors in 2016. So that's pretty low, too. Yeah. Um, considering it's just, what is it, 20 miles off the coast of L.A. Now, you to get there, you have to drive about an hour and a half north of L.A. to the city Ventura, which is right on the beach, and that's where you get, take the ferry over to Channel Islands. There are... This is a really interesting, diverse sanctuary of islands for both people and animals and the species that live there. They're, it's home to so many endemic species, um, which are only found there on Channel Islands. But basically, the park consists of five islands that are all uninhabited um, by people, <laughs> very inhabited by birds and cute little island foxes. Um, and then it, the park also protects the, the ocean surrounding these islands. So the closest is just about 20 miles away from off the coast of L.A., but it's just a whole different world. Yeah, so when we were there, we went to probably the most popular island to visit called Santa Cruz. Uh, it is the second farthest island from the coast. The closest is called Anacapa. And that's kind of smaller. Santa Cruz is the biggest by far. It's also got uh, by far the most developments and the most meaning like it had water. probably a, yeah, it had fresh water. That's the only thing it that's I think it's the only island that provides water for really? campers. Okay. Maybe Anacapa does because a lot of people go there too. But Santa Cruz is definitely popular for hiking. It has, De- yeah, by development, we mean like one building Yeah, ranger, where you can go when it's pouring rain. A ranger house, it had a museum, and then it also had some historic buildings, like two or so historic buildings, and we don't know what was on the other side of the island where there was another dock, another option. Uh, we went to the, just ferried to the close dock, and on the other side, Scorpion. like... Yeah, 10 miles away or whatever. It's, yeah, Scorpion something dock, right? Yep. yep. Or did we go to Scorpion? I think it's called Scorpion Campground. Okay. So we that's where we were. We camped for three nights, I believe, or just two nights maybe, two or three nights. And we definitely did a lot at, the, the, at Santa Cruz. So they have really good kayaking. We'd highly recommend you can rent a kayak there, go on a guided tour, or we just brought our kayak. It was an extra $19 on the ferry, but we just lugged our kayak, our inflatable kayak out there um, and it set off on our own from the from the little dock area. And we were able to, to just kind of hug around the island so that we weren't in too much of open ocean. But we got to see a lot of cool uh, sea caves and just we saw seals pop up right in front of our kayak and it made me the happiest person in the world. (laughs) It was amazing to see wildlife just that close. And speaking of that, the ferry was actually really good too. On the ferry, we got to see some dolphins and some um, sea lions. lions. Yeah, it it was amazing. And the hikes around so after we got done kayaking which was so i guess just a little more on that um you can just basically explore on your own kayaking down the coast and there are these huge tall cliffs next to you so 
those are just really cool to be dwarfed by. And then the sea caves, like Elizabeth said, are super numerous everywhere. Um, and th that was that was just really cool to explore on our own. It was really choppy. Uh, so at some points we were a little worried that we were going to flip into the freezing water, but made it back unscathed. We were careful. We were always really close to the to the shore. Right. We were never really in danger, Dad. Don't worry. Don't worry, Mom. <laughs> um, so after that, you know, we did a lot of hiking the rest of our two or so days. Um, it's really... I would say it's like Ireland. Um, That's what we kept saying. It looked so much like Ireland. And I've never even been to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like the idea of Ireland. But you've actually been to Ireland. Right. And I'd say it's very similar. Just very islandy. Green. <laughs> and green, definitely. And grassy. And, you know, it's got lots of um, very lush and rainy uh so and kind of ranchy you know there were some historic um ranch buildings on the island that we went hiked to so that was just one really cool part the kind of feel you get on the island as you're on top of these huge cliffs you know just peering over into the huge drop off and the waves crashing into the sea caves and then you look behind you, and it's the rolling hills of grasses, the clumps of flowers everywhere, um, and then these little island foxes scuttling along. everywhere. Um, so, yeah, you want to talk about the fox a little bit? Only about their cuteness, because I don't know anything about them or how they got there. <laughs> but these island foxes were everywhere, and they were like cats almost or like little puppies they were just i mean of course they're begging for food so please don't give them food um but they were just they were not shy they would just kind of come right up to us when we were hiking or when we were at camp and we really had to keep our belongings in the tent because of these foxes but you know what was also crazy what also stole a bunch of stuff was the ravens so, yeah, they have really smart ravens on the island. Immediately when we got there and we were being, you know, shuttled on a small boat to uh, from the ferry to the island, there were a bunch of ravens and they warned us, do not leave your pack alone. Do not leave any food out. The ravens will get it. Um, and what they do you know? Work, they can work a zipper. Yeah, they can work a zipper and get anything. What <laughs> do you know? But when we opened up the, or when we just stopped on the beach, some guy was playing with his kid, lame, and leaving his, <laughs> leaving his backpack. Our kids are doomed. <laughs> leaving his backpack all alone on the picnic table, and a raven just flew right over to it took like five seconds to undo the zipper and got a cliff bar and then the rangers like looking at it looked at the visitor like dude why did you let that raven just grab your food and the guy's like that's not my food i that, that wasn't me and he says what do you think the raven got that cliff bar from the grocery store <laughs> 
No, that jo- I don't think any of that happened. <laughs> no, that was my uh, my interpretation anyway. That was a really good story, Cole. No, but that that all happened except for the really funny joke at the end. <laughs> um, that just happened now for my torture. So another r- interesting Raven episode was when he grabbed the snake and flew off with the snake. That was pretty cool. Yeah. There were a lot of crazy, lots of crazy wildlife on, on uh, Santa Cruz. Tons of birders go to the island solely to see the island scrub jay. It's yeah, a, it was a new species that they just kind of named as a new, as a separate species from the regular scrub jay, right? Yeah, a so, few years so before. So they separated it, and yeah. now all of these birders flocked to Channel Islands because it's the only place where they could find the island scrub jay. So there, that was kind of interesting. We did see some, right? One when we were hiking. So some of our highlights. Let's get to our highlights of the park. We loved camping. It was a really interesting and unique experience to be camping that far away. You do have to have reservations before you get out there, and they'll double check. Then you have to pay online, um, but they'll ask you all about that. Um, we hiked to a spot called Smuggler's Cove, which is like a little pebble beach on the other side of where we were camping. So it was about three and a half miles one way, like up and over the island, but it was a really cool way to see a lot of the different terrain that that Santa Cruz had to offer. So that was one day, that was a long hike one day. They also had a lot of, we also got to see a lot of great sunsets um, from up on top of the hill. And then just being in Ventura, yeah. As a gateway city, we're going to be talking, this is a little tease for next week, we're going to be talking about gateway cities, so not, ghetto. today we talked about getaways, <laughs> <laughs> but gateway cities are these communities that are, that kind of thrive from the tourism of the national parks, and Ventura is, is not really fit in that category because it's totally stands alone as a really cool beach city, um, but it was an awesome place to to you know leave and then come back and actually get to spend a little bit of time in the city they have a lot of good restaurants we had some gelato we got to drive up to this um high point high point where we got to see overlook the ocean um we got in and out (laughs) we we went to in and out for the first time ever and really good tacos yeah really good seafood tacos fish tacos anyway anyway that (laughs) Oh, <laughs> the I, I was gonna just say my highlight of the whole thing was just the island experience. I feel like anytime you get on an island, you're not just removed. Like with North Cascades, yeah, you're removed from all the crowds of the city, but you can't get any more removed than an island. You're just isolated on your own landmass, and I loved that about Channel Islands. Just going up, you know, walking up a few hundred yards to the top of this bluff. Nobody else is around. You have the swaying grasses, and you just stare out over the ocean. You can barely see the lights of the city in the distance. And it it was just such a good feeling. It's hard to describe. And I feel like our situation was especially um, unique because we had come from L.A., where, as some of you know, Cole won 
a trip on the Price is Right. So that's how we spent the whole day before Channel Islands. We spent in the at, like jumping up and down in a huge crowd of people screaming and then like trying to navigate our way through Hollywood and and the emotions um, driving, of that day driving into the traffic. So it was just like a lot of re- like crazy emotions, crazy like city busyness and then escaping to an island was like exactly what we needed for to process that whole experience we like we couldn't we didn't have internet we didn't have like anything distracting us from what this crazy thing that had just happened to us (laughs) so i feel like our experience was really unique in that way too and it that's why the islandness of it was particularly amazing yeah, I, I forgot how much I was processing that whole Price is Right crazy experience while I was on the island. Because you're right, that was a huge part of my experience, but I completely forgot about it looking back because mm-hmm. I had won this, you know, I got called up, I got on stage, I won a trip to Patagonia, but then I lost two cars in the showcase showdown, and I was just feeling so... A conflicted like super awesome for the trip but super down because I could have had two cars and I-, I say that's why I have to ride the metro to school and to my job now <laughs> um, the train but uh, if you're interested in more of that story go to switchbackkids.com and search Price is Right in the search bar you'll find the two posts on it um, but Channel Islands, bottom line, great place to escape the Price is Right hecticness. Because escape. everyone can relate to that. Right. <laughs> but mostly escape the city and just have a really peaceful, unique, um, solitary experience. So even though national parks seem like they're so far away from these urban areas around the U.S., they're a lot closer than you think. Like we talked about, go 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 look at that infographic. You can see some of these national parks that are close together, especially out in the west. Only a couple hours from these giant, giant cities. So even though it seems like a different world, and it probably feels like a different world, some of them are very easy to access. And even if it's not a national park... You know, in St. Louis, we don't have a ton next to us. The closest is, what, six hours away right. in Mammoth Cave. Um, there, But there are so many cool state parks here. There are so many awesome NPS units like uh, Ozark National Scenic River that we went to this weekend. So, as always, our message is get out there, find a park near you, and you'll love it. So thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back next week to chat about how you can balance national parks with urban amenities in a few of our favorite park gateway communities. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, or find us on social media at Switchback Kids. And you can always get additional national parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out.
Um, one of them stole a pair of my underwear. Yeah, and ate a hole through it. And yeah, destroyed them. It was interesting. Um, and nasty, bad, bad taste and <laughs> sustenance. <laughs> cutting that out too. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh, you're making this so hard. No, I have to, it's I, not. It's so late. I want to go to sleep. You okay, go to sleep and just post it tomorrow. Yeah, I guess I could. So where do we pick up? <laughs> <laughs> And how did it get to the island? People, I'm assuming. I don't know. It's not completely native to the island. Are right? you sure? I thought it was. So the thing how? with... <laughs> it's um, usually when mammals are on islands. They weren't there originally. Yeah, we might have to look that up and put it in the show notes. But um, one the thing that we remember is this used to be a big ranching island so they had all of these sheep that were brought over and then golden eagles came and didn't they pick off the sheep like they came because the sheep were there and they picked off the sheep um no you're shaking your head i don't think i think it's the it was the foxes or the i'm uh, not the foxes they they only hunted fish Right? Well, they were supposed to only hunt fish, but no. Okay, we're going to cut oh, all this shoot. out anyway. It's fine. Okay. I'm not putting any of this in because <laughs> we don't know the story. We wrote about it on our blog. We did write about it. Should I look it up? Nope. Okay. Where do you want to pick up? You want to just pick up at the foxes? When yeah. I ask you about the foxes. Sure. So, do you want to talk about the foxes?